Well, good morning, everyone. It is great to see you here this morning, and um, I think you guys listened to me last week in the sense of praying for spring, and we got a little glimpse of that this week, right? Okay, we're going to have to amp it up a lot more than that. This is Easter. Let's go. It's okay. We can be happy in church, right? It's, uh, we're here celebrating God, celebrating the resurrection, which we should be doing every day of the week. But, um, you know, that song, what we've been singing about, God is so great, God is so good, God is extremely powerful. God, uh, as that song said, there's nothing wasted. There's nothing in our lives that's wasted. God makes everything new. And today that's what we want to talk about uh, in this Easter message is how God makes things new. Now, let me ask you this. There's going to be a little bit of congregation crowd participation, okay? That means you have to verbalize something. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to talk, okay? So I'm going to ask you a question, and I want you to just share. And this is something that there's not a right or wrong answer. So no one's going to buzz you, or no one's going to, God's not going to send a lightning bolt down and, and kill you on the spot, okay? So I want to ask you a question. What is the one thing that you would replace now? Think about this just for a second before I really, before you verbalize it. What is one thing you would replace now with a new one if you had a chance? Does that make sense? And I don't want to hear anybody say, well, I'm very content with everything I've got right now. Because I don't believe you, all right? What is one thing that you have right now that if you had the opportunity to replace it with something new, what would it be? I'm going to say one, two, three, and everybody kind of shout it out, okay? Everybody shout it out, what you're going to say. You ready? Does everybody have it in your mind? Are we ready? One, two, three, go. Okay, I heard children and husband over here. <laughs> Something's a little off, okay? I think, truth be known, everybody has something in their life that if we had that opportunity where, where it just someone came along and said, I will replace one thing within your life with a new one. Whatever it is, whether it be a couch, a car, you know, some, I, you know, I think we kind of gravitate towards that, right? Some, some thing that we have that we're just so tired of dealing with, uh, whether it may be, it may be uh, debt reduction, whatever it is. There's, uh, it's, it, it, there's probably something that every single one of us sitting in here, I would venture to say that there's more than one thing within our lives that if someone came along and said, I will take the old one off of your hands and replace it with something brand new. Just give it to me and we'll make this deal. I think every single one of us has something... Uh, in our lives like that. It's kind of like that illustration, since we're on a good mood right here, and I'm going to really press this one. It's like that illustration where uh, a grandson and his grandfather are in a department store, and the grandson's very young, and he had never seen elevators before, right? And so he, he's checking this out. They're getting ready to get on this elevator, and the grandson sees these two elderly women get on this elevator, okay? And, and, and then the door closes. The next thing that happens, the door opens, and two young women get off the elevator, and he looks to his grandpa and he says, quick, grab grandma. Let's put grandma in this thing, right? So, I know I hear comments about that, right? But in his mind, it's like, holy cow, something happened here, you know? Something old was replaced with something new. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today because, guys, at the end of the day, when, when everything is said and done, isn't that what Easter is all about? Isn't, East, isn't the Easter message so simplistic in the sense that it's about 
something new. It's about God taking the old and making something new. If you've been attending Element here for a while, over these past 16 uh, weeks or so, we've been talking about the story. And essentially, as we've been sharing with you, the story is about this meta-narrative, God's work, this story as we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We have this big story that God is painting. And so we're looking at this big story. But what we're seeing is how God's meta-narrative, the big story, intersects with our story, our six-foot perspective story or five foot whatever we are you know five to six foot perspective and how his story comes crashing right down in the middle of our story at times and essentially what it is when you start looking at the bible from genesis to revelation what is it that we're looking at we're seeing where things became old. We're seeing where things became, back in Genesis, where, where God created everything perfect and then sin entered into the world and kind of destroyed that. And God, from, the, from that point, clear through Revelation, is what? He's making things new again. He's making things right. He's taking what is wrong and he's restoring it and making it right. Isn't that the message of Easter? Where God is saying, I will make things right for once and for all for eternity. And I'm going to do that through my son, Jesus Christ. And as we've been journeying through the Old Testament, we've been seeing how the different methods that, that, that's been put in place to help do that, to show man that, they can't, that we can't do it on our own, but we need a Savior. And it all points to the cross. And today, we are living on this side of the cross where we can look and we, can, and we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, which that message is... All things are new. In fact, if you would look at John 11, uh, 25 here, uh, it's, there's a story in the Bible about Lazarus. And he has a couple sisters. Lazarus and, 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 and his sisters were very, very close friends with Jesus. And Lazarus becomes very sick, and so the sisters send for, uh, send for Jesus because they know that if they could just get a hold of Jesus, he could come and he could make things right. He could heal Lazarus. He could heal their brother. Well, Jesus, as the scripture says, Jesus intentionally delayed. And, and, and it's one of those teaching lessons that I think Jesus said, I'm going I'm to teach something here. I'm going to show my power. I'm going to allow God to, you know, the Father, demonstrate his power through me. And so, and so uh, Lazarus dies. And so then Jesus goes to the house and Jesus goes to their home. And his sisters come out and one of them begins to say, look, if you would have just been here. If you would have just been here, you could have saved our brother. You could have healed him and he wouldn't have died. And Jesus makes this statement found in chapter eleven twenty five. He looks at her and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus making a bold claim saying, I am the resurrection and the life. That's the reality you and I get to live in. Before that... There was that hope. There was that message pointing to that hope. But for you and I, we live in that reality on a daily basis. Hopefully we live in that reality on a daily basis that Jesus is the resurrection, that he did die, that he, he, did, he was in the ground for three days and three nights, and he rose uh, victoriously, and we celebrate that new life. And the resurrection essentially is preview attractions to come. Resurrection means a new coming. But as you and I spend time Easter today, this is Easter Sunday. Now, how many of you grew up in the church? A church of any sort, you know, so a lot of us did. For some of us who have, and, and that doesn't mean that the, the, when we talk about Easter traditions or Easter customs, even if you didn't grow up in the church, you may have still been a part of Easter customs and Easter traditions. But I remember growing up, uh, you know, in the church, 
uh, spending time, you know, uh, celebrating Easter. And there were things that we did that I'm like, I don't understand why we do this. Okay? Not, again, I'm not being, I'm not putting them down. So everybody take a deep breath. I'm not putting them down. I'm not being sacrilegious here. But there were things that we did. As a kid, I didn't understand. One of them was sunrise service. Okay? As a kid, I could not get my brain around, we're going to get up at the crack of dawn. We're going to go have church. And we're not going to wear our new clothes yet. But we're going to go have church. And then when that's over with, we're going to have breakfast. We're going to go home. We're going to put on our really good clothes that we bought for Easter. And then we're going to do it all over again. And I'm like, I, I don't understand this. I could not get my brain around that. You know, you know what I'm saying? But it was a tradition. It was a custom. Some of you, that's what you grew up in. Some of you are frustrated because we don't do that nowadays. We have that sunrise service. Some of you are, are familiar with some of the other um, Easter traditions and customs. I just want to read a couple things for you about where some of them came from just when we talk about this whole Easter thing. Um, Easter comes from the name probably Estra or Estra, an Anglo-Saxon goddess of spring. And it says that uh, around the 2nd century A.D., Christian missionaries seeking to convert the tribes of northern Europe noticed that Christian holiday, that the Christian holiday commemorating the resurrection of, resurrection of Jesus roughly coincided with the Teutonic springtime celebrations, which emphasized the triumph of life over death. Very good. You guys are on this. Life over death. And Christian Easter gradually absorbed the traditional symbols. Okay? Who in the world knows why we paint eggs and have Easter eggs at Easter? I could never figure that out. Nor could I figure out how a rabbit would do this. Okay? Okay, Easter eggs. Uh, It says in medieval Europe, eggs were forbidden during Lent. You guys are very smart. You're on this. Uh, Forbidden during Lent, eggs laid during that time were often boiled or otherwise preserved. So then eggs were thus a mainstay of Easter meals and a prized Easter gift for children and servants. In addition, eggs have been viewed as symbols of new life and fertility. You knew that. Uh, New life and fertility and... um, It is believed that for this reason, many ancient cultures, including the ancient Egyptian, Persians, and Romans, used eggs during their spring festivals. Now, many traditions and practices have formed around Easter eggs. The coloring of eggs is established as art. Uh, We all, some of us, grown up doing that, probably still do it with our kids. Eggs were also used in various holiday games. Parents would hide eggs for children to find. Egg hunts, right? And children would roll eggs down the hill. How many of you did that as a kid? No one? Oh, holy cow. You guys are blaspheming Easter, okay? These practices lived on in Easter egg hunts and egg rolls. The, mo- the most famous egg roll takes place on the White House lawn every year. How about that? Let's talk about the Easter bunny real quick. Again, we're talking about Easter traditions. Because let's face it, if, you're not, if you didn't grow up in the church, what in the world do these things have to do with Easter? The Easter bunny. Hares and rabbits have long been symbols of fertility. Now we're catching on. The inclusion of the hare into Eastern uh, customs appears to have originated in Germany, where tales were told of an Easter hare who laid eggs for children to find. German immigrants to America, particularly Pennsylvania. Close. (laughs) (laughs) 
brought the tradition with them and spread it to a wider public. They also baked cakes for Easter in the shape of hares uh, and, and may have pioneered the practice of making chocolate bunnies and eggs. Last, Easter parades. How many of you have been to an Easter parade? No, one. There we go. How many of you have been in an Easter parade? One? No. Uh, thought I had it. Listen to this. Now, again, this is customs and traditions. So, therefore, after their baptisms, after their baptisms, early Christians wore white robes all through Easter week to indicate their new lives. Those that had already been baptized wore new clothes instead to symbolize their sharing uh, a new life with Christ. Um, and so, those are some of the traditions that... Um, that many of you did not know, right? I mean, we know about we know about them, but you know, kind of where they originated and what in the world did they have to do with Easter? It kind of gives us a little bit of explanation. But is that what Easter really means? Is Easter really about the Easter eggs, the bunnies, the the um, the, the, the the new clothes and that kind of stuff, or is there more to? Obviously, there's more to. It. Easter means new life. Jesus conquered death. It's the second chance. It's this new beginning. For some of us. That second chance has, it's not just a second chance, but it's a third and a fourth and fifth. Some of us are working on the, our 25th hundred second chance. It's this, it's this hope that says, God loves me. It's the hope that says, you know what, I don't have it all together, but yet God looks at me and He values me. That God loves me. And that God is, is going to, to continue to help me. For some of us, it is an absolute new beginning. For some of you this morning, you're sitting in here, and it may be your very first time at this, where you're going to commit your life to Christ today, and it is an absolute new beginning. It says that whatever you've done in your past has been forgiven. The guilt, the shame, all of that stuff is gone. And it doesn't matter what other people think. Because they're not God. They're, they're not the ones who hung on the cross and died for you. This is a new beginning. For, for, and it may be the very first time. For some of you sitting in here this morning, it's this hope that you're living in. It's saying, you know what, I, 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 I struggle with this, this addiction. I struggle with this, this, this habit that's got a hold of me. I struggle with this thing that, that defeats me on a weekly basis. I just committed to this this past week. I'm dealing with it right now. But for some of you, you're hearing this message, and you know that, that God loves you, that God is, is, is there to give you a second chance and a new beginning. Listen to what some of these verses has to say. 1 Corinthians 2.9 No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Again, in Corinthians, death swallowed up victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? And then listen to Revelation 21, verses 4 and 5. He, Jesus, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or sorrow, or crying, or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything, what's that word? New. I am making everything new. I am making, and then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. We have this, this letter from the Apostle John that, that, that is given to him through Christ. Where Christ said, I am making everything new. What is broken, I'm, I'm restoring. What is wrong, I'm making right. I am making everything new. Gone with the wheelchairs. 
Gone with the treatment plans. Gone with the budgeting of money and always trying to make ends meet here in this life possibly. Gone for looking for a job. Gone with the whole messed up relationship. These these relationships that get all tangled and out of sorts because someone said something or whatever it may be. Gone with dealing with dysfunctional relationships. Gone with, with children who have went wayward. Children that are making decisions that break our hearts. They weren't raised that way. Gone with all of that. Gone with the disconnected parents. And and you name it. Jesus is saying, it's gone. It's all going to be gone. I am making things new. But the question I have for you today is this. That's the then. What about the now? That's the then. And what about the now? What if the new life begins now? Now, some of you would say, oh, I understand that it does begin now. I get that. But for a lot of us, I think we often look to the then, right? I've heard the comments. I've heard the conversations with people where they said, well, I've received God, so I've received Jesus. I've received God's eternal gift, and I'm just going to sit here on earth until I die and be taken to heaven. That's not what the Word of God teaches. That's far from it. The resurrection's not just about the then, or, or, or the then. It's not just about eternal life where we get so wrapped up around that at times where it's like, oh, Easter's all about eternal. Yes, it's all about eternal life, but the other side of it is it's about the now. What about the now? Jesus is making things new. And when we live in the reality of the resurrection, it's not just the then, that's all going to happen then, but it's happening right now. Listen to what 2 Corinthians says in verses 5.15. He said, he, Paul says, He, Jesus, died for everyone so that those who receive His what? New life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. He goes on to say, Paul goes on to say in verse 17, listen to this, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become what? A new person. How many of you are looking for a second chance this morning? How many of you are sitting in here this morning and it's like, I don't have hope? And frankly, I'm sitting in here this morning because this is what you do on Easter and Christmas. You're hearing a message. You're not here by coincidence, but you're hearing a message that says... Jesus is saying to you, you can have new life now. You can have a second chance now. Some of you are sitting in here this morning and you can have the third and fourth, the fifth, whatever it is, whatever. But Paul says this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. He goes on to say the old life is gone. It's gone. The now, it's gone. A new life has begun now. The reality of that is this. As a Christ follower, and this is where some, again, I've been speaking a lot about people who may be sitting here that hasn't experienced this reality. Guys, those of you that experienced this reality years and years and years ago, but you don't have any passion, something's off. Because according to this, it says that we have this new life, that we no longer live for ourselves, that we live for Christ who died and was raised. That means we have a new passion. That means that we're excited about things. That means that we're excited about the things of God. We have this new passion. We have a new perspective. This is huge. I've been around some Christians. It's like they walk around as if they have no hope. 
something is off if you live in that type of reality. You have a new life. You have a new passion. You have a new perspective. What's a new, what is perspective? A perspective is how you view things. If you're constantly viewing things in a negative perspective, something is off. We have a new life. It's the now. It's not just then. It is the now. A new passion. A new perspective. A new outlook. A new identity. Eternal life begins now. New life begins now. Listen to the words of this song. Peace be still. You are near There's nowhere we can go That you won't shine Redemption's light Our guilt withdrawn And as you rise You come alive The grave has lost, the old is gone, and you're making all things new. You are making all things new. You are making all things new. We are free. Hope is found. You are here. Our hearts forever sealed by this love that came for us. Now we are yours and We come alive, you're making all things new, you are making all things new, you are making all things new, and we are free, and you're making all things new. You are making all things new. You are making all things new. And we are free.
making all things new and we are free Here's the part that really gets sticky for us. Just like that song said, God is making all things new. That is the message of Easter. God is making all things new. But the reality of it is, what about the now? That's the then. What about the now? What about the now as we live in this world? What about the now as we continue to struggle with the things that we struggle with, right? We continue to live in this human form, this human shell. And we continue to try to to grow more into the likeness of Christ, but yet we still slip back in some of our old ways. What about the now? The beauty of this is the now gives us the power. Ephesians one chapter or chapter one verses nineteen through twenty um, says this. I also pray. Paul says, I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in Him. Listen to what he says, guys. This is one of those verses that gets lost on us at times. He goes on to say this. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. How many of you know? have anybody in your life that you know that's been raised from the dead? Anyone? It must take an awful lot of power, right? And I find it very interesting when it comes to man's intellect, when it comes to our ability to, 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 you know, like with technology and all this other stuff. I mean, we are very advanced. Some of the things that we, that you read about in the, in, in magazines and you see, you know, you see on the news and the internet and stuff like that. It is absolutely amazing the ability that man has, the, 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 the intellect that we have, the, the cognitive abilities that we have in some of our technology to be able to do some of the medical things that we do. Let alone you know all the other things but like some of the medical things that we're able to do but i remember when my wife and i before we before we had children i remember us really struggling with trying to get pregnant for 14 15 so you know this uh for 14 years we tried to get pregnant and we would go to the doctor we would go to the doctors and they would say everything looks fine and i'm thinking wait a second don't you have the ability to help us get pregnant and at some point there's that line where we don't have the ability to create life, do we? And you've heard about the people that's used all the different fertility methods. Some of you may have experienced those, and, and some of it's work. But at some point, man can only do so much. And God has the rest of it, right? And I find comfort in that. But the point I'm trying to make is, we don't have the power to create life. We don't even have the power to bring life from the dead. And Paul says this. This is an incredible prayer, guys. For someone to look into a a group of individuals, and Paul says, I'm praying. I'm praying that you. Listen to this. I'm praying that you will understand the incredible greatness of God. I'm praying that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who have placed our faith into the resurrection. He goes, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in a place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. You know what this means, guys? 
the truth, the reality of this verse means that we have the power to forgive now. And I want to tell you something. Forgiveness is extremely hard at times, is it not? We've got the power to forgive. We've got the power to stop some of those addictions that are killing us and our families and everyone around us. We've got the power to stop the addictions of gambling, the power to stop the addiction of drinking, of being drunk and things like that. We have the, we have the power now to stop cheating on our spouses. We have the power to stop overeating. We have the power to stop hitting our children. We have the power to stop spending. We have the power to stop lusting. We have the power to stop gossiping. We have the power to love the unlovable. We have the power to listen to other individuals. We have the power to introspect, to open ourselves up in a vulnerable state that says, maybe I'm not all what I'm cracked up to be. Maybe I do have some weaknesses. But God has given us that power. And the the same power that He used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead is that same power that lives inside of us. That's the power of the resurrection. That is the living in the now. Not just the then of eternal life, but that is the power of living in the now. And maybe for some of us, we've bought into the enemy's lies, Satan's lies that says, you're no good. You're not going to break these. Or, you know what? You're good enough. Why would you even attempt to to break some of these things? Paul says we've got the power to overcome that and to live the life in the now. And guys... It's not just living in the, as we live in the now, it's not just coping. That's not what that means. It's not just, I'm just going to deal with this until I die. That's not, it, it's not just that. It's not just coping. It's not just dealing with. It's not just getting through. It is living in the now. There's a picture of this living in the now. And we're going to be celebrating this next week. For some of you, and, and, and if you have never been baptized, I would just, uh, please consider it. It's, a, it's, 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 it's that moment of living in the now to say to the rest of the world, I'm living in the now. And in Romans 6, 4, Paul says this, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. It's that same, he's using that same picture of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that when we, when we die to ourselves, when we, when we accept that new life where we've committed our life to Christ and we begin, we get away from the old and we start into the new and we're living for Christ, not ourselves. We, it's, we've died and we've been buried with Christ by baptism. That's the whole symbolism of baptism is that we start off and we go down and we come up. And we come up, it's not, there's, nothing, there's nothing significant in the sense of, of magical that happens during baptism, but it's that symbolism that says, I am celebrating in the death and resurrection of Christ. My life is now Christ. He goes on to say, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. He's talking about the power. He's talking about the whole concept of the then and the now. He's talking about the whole concept of God making things new. Guys, the Easter message is pretty simplistic. God's making things new. That is a message of hope. I hope today that you resonate with that message of hope. If you've never uh, have, have, have accepted that, that message of hope, I pray today might be the day that you surrender your life. We're going to close with a couple songs and I pray that you would just use them as a time of worship, a time of introspection, a time of opening yourself up in that, in that vulnerability state before God where you're saying, God, this is my life.
how am I doing? Or maybe it's, God, this is my life. I want you to have it, and I want to live my life for you now. So I pray that you just use this time to respond the way God wants you to respond through His Spirit. Would you do that? Let me close with a a word of prayer, and then we're going to sing a couple more songs. Father, we give you great thanks for this day and what it means. And God, I pray that this message of hope, this message of the then and now, this message of new life, you making things new, the message of the power that raised you from the dead now lives inside of us as we live our lives for you. God, I pray that that those mess, that message would not get lost. I pray it would break through the distractions that we may be having right now. I pray that it would break through the discouragement, the frustration, the sense of hopelessness, wherever we're at on our journey. I pray that would just break through. And for some, maybe it would just reiterate what we've already what we've already committed to. And for others, maybe it would just resonate with them so much that they want to experience this new life in the now as well as the then. And so I pray that you just find freedom here today, right now as we pray. Let us engage with you. May your spirit have free freedom in this room right now. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our risen Savior, that we pray and ask all these things. Amen.